0: Good morning, I'm battling my asthma and bronchitis this morning, so if you'll bear with me if I cough, is that all right? I won't cough on you, I promise, but um, I get this every once in a while. I haven't had it for a couple years, but man, when it comes, it comes. So we're going to, this morning, talk about three secret things from Matthew chapter 6 verses 1 through 18. So in your Bibles, as, as you have them there, I'm going to read some of this passage, then we'll, we'll get into it. So in Matthew 6, beginning in verse 1, Jesus is speaking here in the Sermon on the Mount. He says, "'Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may have glory from men. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward.'" Verse 3, but when you do a charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, that your charitable deed may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will himself reward you openly. Verse 5, and when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corner of the streets, that they may be seen by men. Assured, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you pray, go into your room, and when you have shut your door... Pray to your father who is in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. Then in verse 16, Moreover, when you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces that they may appear to men to be fasting. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in the secret place, and your Father, who sees in secret, will reward you openly. So, Lord, we thank you for your word. We love your word. And, Lord, we know that it's live and powerful. We know the Spirit of God works through the word of God to change peoples. And, Lord, you have so transformed many lives in this room. And, Lord, I just I offer to a prayer in this whole, in the whole area of abortion and all the pain that that, that has caused. Lord, we, we bow before you our Heavenly Father. We ask, Lord, for your mercy and grace to be poured out, especially today, as this is being, we're we're thinking about it, we're praying about it, Lord, that you would do a work of healing these lives as only you can. So, Lord, please, as we get in the Word and as we're looking at your Word, your Holy Spirit, minister to us, I pray. Take the things I prepared, break them fresh. I ask, Lord, also, we pray, we who are believers in this room, we pray for anyone here who does not know you That today might be the day when they come to you and find in you the salvation you offer freely through Jesus Christ. So bless the word we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So this is the third of four. Next week we're going to look at four church things. And we'll be looking at Acts chapter 2 verse 42 specifically. But if you want to read we'll be in 40 through 47. We began with one thing is needed sitting at Jesus' feet and hearing his word. Last week, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. Two first things. Seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So this morning, we're looking at this whole area of three secret things, as you probably already guessed. we to give in secret, we're to pray in secret, and we're to fast in secret. So simplify. When NASA first started sending up astronauts, they quickly discovered that ballpoint pens would not work in zero gravity. To combat the problem, NASA scientists spent a decade and $12 billion to develop a pen that writes in zero gravity, upside down, underwater, on almost any surface including glass and at temperatures ranging from below freezing to 300 degrees centigrade. Amazing, right? The Russians just used a pencil. (laughs) I love it. Simplify. (laughs) So he begins... These three things, give in secret, pray in secret, and fast in secret. Those are the three things, these three areas that he's hitting Jesus in the Sermon on the Mount. So verse one, he says, Take heed that you do not do your charitable deeds before men to be seen by them. Otherwise, you have no reward from your Father in heaven. Now, take heed is an important to understand those two words. It means to hold the mind on a matter. Okay. It means to take pains to understand and do. So it's holding these things in our minds, in understanding and doing them. That's really important when we talk about these three secret things. So Jesus says, when you do these things, in other words, I'm talking to you, (laughs) my disciples. And he's saying, I'm talking about your giving, your praying, and your fasting. And to me, that's simple enough. Three things. Now, these three spiritual disciplines... We're indicative of Jewish piety. But they also should be indicative of our disciplines as followers of Christ, because Jesus said, When you do these things. So he said, Before men to be seen by men. If we're doing it like that, we're hypocrites. And we don't want to be hypocrites. Can you hear an amen? So in giving, verse 2, therefore, when you do a charitable deed, do not sound a trumpet before you. da 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 da. As the hypocrites do in the synagogues and the streets that they notice may have glory from men. Assured, I say to you, they have their reward. Again, in verse 5, in praying, when you pray, you shall not be like the hypocrites. For they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on the corners of the streets that they may be seen by men. Again, assured, I say to you, they have their reward. Again, in fasting, Verse 16. Whenever you fast, do not be like the hypocrites with a sad countenance, for they disfigure their faces. oh, I'm fasting. (laughs) That they may appear to men to be fasting. Again, same thing. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. Now, a hypocrite is simply an actor. It's a person who plays a role and sees the world as his or her stage. So they make a show of life. They're phony and fake. They're the ones that wear the mask. You, might, you could also translate it as that, wearing a mask. They want to appear to be someone that they're not. And so there are, the, here. let me give you three secrets that are no secrets at all. Here they are. We like to be seen as being more spiritual than we really are. We like to be seen as being more charitable than we really are. We like to be seen as being more sacrificial than we really are. That's just a part of our fallen human nature. We can do our righteous deeds in such a way that it draws attention to us. Or we can do our righteous deeds in such a way that it draws attention to God. The same way in bringing glory to us or bringing glory to God. How we do them. So a rather pompous, self-righteous Sunday school teacher was trying to make the point that good Christians don't keep their faith a secret. With her head held high and her chest thrust out, the teacher strutted impressively back and forth across the room. She asked, now class, why do you think people call me a Christian? The room was silent for a moment. Then one of the boys slowly raised his hand and said, probably because they don't know you. Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that when they see your good works, they glorify who? Your Father in heaven. So the hypocrite's reward is simply this. Assuredly, I say to you, they have their reward. What is that reward? Ooh, you are so spiritual. Ooh, you are so sacrificial. Ooh, you are just, wow. Soak it in, that's all you get. That's it, that's the reward. The reward of men. You see, the applause of men is so fickle and so fleeting. Have you found that? Woo! It's not long before the applause dies and you're on your own again with no stage, no people. So here's what I'll begin this study. Simplify by this. Stop living your life for the approval applause, and pleasure of people. Amen. Stop living your life for the approval, applause, and pleasure of people. It is a trap of bondage. Simplify by start living your life for the approval, the applause, and the pleasure of God. That is rich. And my friends, I find it's easier to please God than it ever is to please people. We walk by faith and not by sight. The just shall live by faith. So how do I do that? Very simple. By giving and praying and fasting. So when you do, verse 3, when you do your charitable deed, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, and your charitable deed may be in secret, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. J. Vernon McGee put it this way, quote, Don't reach in your pocket with one hand, and then put the other hand in the air to let people know how much you're giving. Now, in the Old Testament passage where we find this left hand and right hand, there are two ideas that come forward. One is the idea that two, these two are working together. The other is that the two coming together make the whole. So either working together or they come together and make it complete. So the two we're talking about here are giving and being seen by men. Or giving and wanting the glory of men. What Jesus is saying, don't let those two work together. Keep them separate, never to meet. He's saying, don't let them be the whole of it. Because it is so empty. So keep them separate. In other words, in giving, be willing to wait for God's reward. You can get it right away if you'd like. But be willing to separate that out completely. Do what you're doing and God will reward openly. There's a story in Matthew chapter 12 in verse 41. Many of you have heard this account. Jesus sat opposite the treasury, and noticed and saw how the people put money into the treasury. Matthew, this is Mark chapter 12. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites, which is the, the, the smallest coin possible, which makes a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assured I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who, gave, who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of their abundance. But she out of her poverty put in all she had her whole livelihood. You see Jesus sees how we put things in. He sees what's behind it. So many of the rich threw in their great a sum. And probably to a little attention. And everyone went, wow. You know, and really, we tend toward that same kind of response. We wow the big givers. But listen, Jesus has a very different perspective on giving. The rich get out of their material wealth, and yes, it was very generous. But it was of little to no cost to them. Little if no sacrifice. You see, it's not how, it's not so much what we give to him, but how much we keep for ourselves. In 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 6, Paul said, But this I say, he who gives, so it's in the area of money, he who gives sowingly, he who who sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. And he who gives, sows bountifully will also reap bountifully. And he goes on to say this, verse 7. So let each one of you give as he purposes in his heart. But listen, as you purpose in your heart, you have to look to God's word as to what it is and how he sees giving. So as you purpose in your heart, not grudgingly and of necessity, for God loves a cheerful, it really means hilarious giver. God in us understanding his um, economic plans, his, his principles for financial stewardship, Wants us to know that you will never outgive God. Never. Now, God's not requiring from you what you do not have, but from what you do have, all of which, by the way, came from Him. It's all His. So, when you do your charitable deed, do it that it may be in secret. So the question comes up Does this mean that all giving must not be seen? No, it does not mean that. In the book of Acts, the early church knew that Barnabas and others had given the income from the sale of their land, Acts chapter 4. The church members laid their gifts at the apostles' feet. The problem that that exposed was in the motive and manner in which some were giving, namely Ananias and Sapphira. And they were giving because they wanted to be seen as more Charitable than they really were. They wanted to be seen as more spiritual than they really were. They wanted to be seen as more sacrificial than they really were. And God dealt with that drastically because of the purity of the new early church, I believe. For tax purposes, Calvary Chapel South keeps records of what is given in order that a person does not have to give to the government more than is necessary. So we keep records. These are confidential, I I never see them myself, I don't want to see them. What you give is personal, private, and between you and God. Now I have, I put at the connection desk a two-sided little flyer that talks about giving at Calvary Chapel South. So if you want to pick that up on the way out, that's a, a, a summation of what we believe about giving. But let me just read you a couple parts from that. Though we at Calvary Chapel South do not take offerings in our services, it does not mean that we think giving is unimportant or to be taken lightly. Jesus said, where your treasure is, there will your heart be also. Our giving provides no leverage, position, or preference with God. It is an act of simple obedience, which in itself creates opportunity for blessing. Jesus said it's more blessed to what? Give than to receive. So... I extend, we extend a heartfelt gratitude for each of you who are supporting the work here at Calvary Chapel South. Malachi 3.10 says this, bring all the tithes into the storehouse that there may be food in my house and try me now in this, says the Lord. It's the only time God said, test me. Tithing. If I will not open the windows of heaven and pour out for you such a blessing that there will not be room enough to contain it. Malachi 3.10. In other words, you can't outgive God. It's impossible. So he's saying, bring the tenth in the storehouse. Give God his due. Now, we don't have time this morning to go into the tithing. I have two Bible studies I'm happy to send to you if you're interested to know in depth about tithing. Old Testament all the way through. No, this, tithing was before God ever gave the law. It's a part of his principles. But let me give three secret things about tithing that are not to be kept secret. And here they are tithing is a constant reminder of the Creator's rights. Secondly, tithing is an antidote against covetousness. And third, tithing is foundational to solving financial problems. We have a a 10 group we, we do in financial peace, it's to help you understand God's principles in financial stewardship, and they are powerful, and they are blessed. So, see three secret things. Here is the three secret things about these three secret things. That we are to give in secret, pray in secret, and fast in secret. Number one, it's the secret in their practice. Jesus said, when you do your charitable, he did not say, if you do it. Jesus did not say, if you pray, if you fast. Jesus is assuming that giving, praying, and fasting will be practiced. The three disciplines are not for God's benefit. Can you hear an amen? We're not doing these things to add something to God. You can't add to God. What God wants to do is to add, not just add, but multiply into our lives spiritual blessing. And so Jesus pointing out the wrong way to give, pray, and fast, and then the right way to give, pray, and fast for our benefit. So in giving, to avoid hypocrisy is not to stop giving, but to stop giving to get attention. And it's really quite simple. It's no secret. It's not hard to do. In other words, what do we have to do? Stop doing that. Stop giving to be seen. By the way. Why does anyone have to know? Well some have to. By the way. I I shout out Shelly. Who's been doing our books for many years. She's awesome. She's diligent. And I trust her implicitly. There are some that have to know. But really. The only reason people know. Unless they're doing the accounting. Is because we decide to tell them. So. It's really quite simple. It's not to stop giving, but to start giving as Jesus has commanded us. So what do I do? I must keep making decisions to practice God's financial blessings. And I call these practices. I think they're practiced. It's always a practice that we're doing. What I do with my money, what I do with my material things, I must keep practicing generosity, practicing giving practicing tithing, willing to share, willing to give. When you pray, not if you pray. When you pray, verse 5. When you pray, verse 6. When you pray, verse 7. Verse 6, when you pray, go into your room, and when you've shut the door, pray to your father in the secret place, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. So to avoid hypocrisy is not to stop praying. But to stop praying to get attention. Now, I will share with you something happening really early on when I lived in the Lord's house down in California. We were having a prayer meeting. And I was brand new in this Lord's house. I felt like when I came there, I walked into the Holy of Holies. I thought, all these people are so holy. I'm just this. And so we had this prayer meeting. And I sought to get the flowery things going. It embarrasses me even to think about it. Now, this is not hard to do either. We just have to stop doing it to get attention. And to go into my room and shut the door. I must keep making time in that secret place to pray. Listen, I'll tell you, it's not going to just happen, as you know. I have to go into my room and shut the door. I must practice praying. When they asked his teachers to pray, he said, when you pray. I believe every time you go to prayer, there's a new lesson we learn. There's something new we learn about God. And spending time with God behind a closed door is part of that. Pastor Rick Steele shared this, this last Thursday night when we started our, our Living by the Book e group. I put it into three secrets. He didn't have it like that. But three secrets about making time with God. Number one, have a place. You need a place. Secondly, make an appointment. And then third, reschedule directly. If I can't make it, I'm going to check in and say, I'll be back. That's three secrets about making time for God. And then three secrets about spending time with God. I love this. He said, something is better than nothing. Can you hear an amen? amen? He said, a short time is better than no time. He said, a little input is better than no input. I love it. It's very simple, very practical. Third one, when you fast, not if you fast. When you fast verse 16, when you fast verse 17. But when you fast, anoint your head, wash your face so that you do not appear to men to be fasting, but to your father who is in a secret place. To avoid hypocrisy is not to stop fasting, but to stop fasting to get attention. Now, this is not hard either. Who am fasting? Uh, sacrificing for the Lord. Go take a shower. Wash your hair and put on some fresh clothes and walk in there like you, have, you just ate before you came. See, that's what Jesus is saying. To fast means simply to cover the mouth. Biblical fasting is abstaining from food, drink, sleep, or sex to focus on a period of spiritual growth or need. Specifically, we humbly deny something of the flesh to glorify God, enhance our spirit, and go deeper in our prayer life. That's unquote. That's from uh, All About God. So why do we fast? A few things I'll give you here, and I'm sure there are others. To give expression to grief and loss and encourage humility and dependence on God. Another reason. Fasting is practiced... When making decisions, facing difficulties, or dealing with injustice, oppression, and bondages. Thank you for human life. Fasting is not congruent with celebration. You don't go to a wedding and fast. (laughs) Jesus said that. So how do I do that? I must keep making space alongside my praying to include fasting here and there. Prayer and fasting. Fasting. Now, God understands that abstaining from food is physically impossible for some of you. I would encourage you to consider what you can temporarily give up for a season to better focus your heart on God. What is it you might be able to give up for a season? Secret number two. The secret is in their privacy. That's the second secret. It's in their privacy. See, these are to be between you and God, me and God alone. That's what Jesus is making a point all the way along. And in that, God is desiring an intimate relationship with me. And the same with you. So he desires that intimacy necessitates privacy. Do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing. In other words, intimacy with God is in giving for him and not for me. I'm doing this for you. Oh, how that revolutionizes any relationship. In praying, go into your room and when you have shut your door, intimacy with God is in being with him and no one else. Can you imagine your marriage if you were never alone with your spouse? Just had some time together. We need that. That's intimacy. The same with God. So it's intimacy in being with him and no one else. Then he says, anoint your head and wash your face. Intimacy with God and in seeking, in seeking after him above all other things and everyone else. You're it. No one else knows what's going on. You're it. So it's in giving for him and not for me. It's in being with him and no one else. It's in seeking after him above all other things and everyone else. That's intimacy. So the third one is the secret in their promise. Notice, in giving, in praying, and fasting, and your father who sees in secret will reward you openly. That's the promise. He's letting his disciples into a big secret. Up until this time, nowhere is God called the father of an individual, of a nation, yes, but not an individual. This is revolutionary in what Jesus came to accomplish. So as Jesus is praying in John chapter 17, he spoke these words, lifted up his and said, Father, the hour has come. Glorify your son that your son also may glorify you as you've given him authority over all flesh that he the son should give eternal life to as many as you have given him and this is eternal life that they may know you the only true God and Jesus Christ whom you have sent. And as you read his prayer, as you read those, those, those 13 through 19 chapters of him in the upper room or through 17, he's talking continuously with his disciples about the love of he and his father and he said, I want you to experience that. I'm praying that you enter into that. See, that's intimacy. And this reward that is ours is, a, is having a deeply and personal intimate relationship with our Heavenly Father. Your Father reward you openly. You see, when rewards come, it matters who they come from. You can get rewards from people all you want, but oh, to think of that our Heavenly Father giving to us, rewarding us with an intimacy with Him. What better reward is there And to know the only true God intimately as my heavenly Father. So giving for him, being with him, and seeking after him sets me free from pretending and seeking man's approval and man's applause. It sets me free from that. I believe that Jesus is at least addressing that issue. Because we want to be seen As being more. Want to be seen as being more. God already knows we're not more. But he loves us completely. So giving for him. Being with him. Seeking after him. Sets me free. From the man pleasing tendencies. Of my fleshly human nature. I still wrestle with it. And I believe so do you. Depending who's on the room. There's this, this natural inclination. To begin wanting to be. Known as more than we really are. When you pray, verse 7, do not use vain repetition as the heathen do. They think that they'll be heard for their many words. Listen, God doesn't care about our eloquence of speech. He doesn't care how many times we repeat things or if we never repeat them. He just wants to spend time with us and be with us and guide us in how our lives are being lived in, in fellowship with him. It's not the persuasiveness of my prayers. It's the persuading of his love for me. Prayer is not me twisting God's arm and overcoming his reluctance. Prayer is coming to alignment with his heart and praying thus for him, to him. Therefore, he said, Do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask. Listen, the reward is in a deeply personal relationship with my Heavenly Father, but the reward is also, I no longer have to be like that. I don't have to be living under those bondages. Do not be like them, for your Father knows the things you have need of before you ask Him. He knows me so completely and receives me fully, just as I am. He's always known my every need. They're no surprise to him. So he says, notice, in this manner, therefore. Father already knows you have need of these things. Therefore. Pray, our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us. Many of you know this. You can quote right along with me. Give us this day our daily bread. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. But he adds this, verse 14. For if you forgive men their, forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your heavenly Father forgive your trespasses. So he knows my need. He's always known my need. But in fellowship with him, in prayer, fasting, giving, he knows my need for him, first and foremost. To know him as my holy, heavenly Father. He knows my need for hope. To be with him. Not only now, but in his kingdom that's coming. He knows my need for food. To receive from him every temporal need. We looked at that last week. Listen, here's a big one. It's big. Big. He knows my need for forgiveness. So, my need to find in him the forgiveness I need and the forgiveness he commands that I must also give others. That leads me to the final one. He knows my need for truth. For truth. And sometimes the truth is not easy. In other words, to live for his approval and his applause and his pleasure. And God says here is what we got to deal with. And the hardest, most difficult area, the deepest, is when we must forgive as we've been forgiven. So simplify. Stop living your life for the approval, applause, and pleasure of people. And start living your life for the approval, the applause, and the pleasure of God. It's a lot easier. Three secret things. Keep practicing Or start practicing giving for him and not for yourself. Second, keep practicing or start practicing being with him and no one else. Third, keep practicing or practice seeking after him above all other things and everyone else. I love it. Bud Wilkinson's football team at the University of Oklahoma were undoubtedly the strongest in the nation in the late 1950s and early 1960s. Consistently, his undefeated teams steamrolled the opposition. After his retirement to the broadcast booth, Coach Wilkinson was asked the secret of his success. How could he consistently mold young athletes into powerful teams year after year? This was Bud's answer. When a football player goes into a game, he can play to a variety of audiences. He may play for the crowd in the stands, for example, working hard for their cheers and avoiding their boos. Or he might play for a special person in the stands, a girlfriend maybe. A player may allow the other team to dictate his play. In other words, if the man across the line isn't very good, then he doesn't play well either. If the opponent cheats and plays dirty, so so does he. Some football players allow their teammates to determine the quality of their play. Some focus on the game officials, the referees, and of course, some play merely for themselves. They work hard to be the stars. Many audiences vie for the attention of the players. My men know, however, that there's only one person watching the game that matters. Only one person whom they have to please, me. Me. Regardless of the cheers or boos, the strengths of the opposition, the fairness of the officials, or the play of their teammates, I am the only audience that counts. When everyone knows that and plays that way, they pull together, do their best, give it their all, and they win. Now next week we're going to talk about four church things. We're going to talk a little bit about that. But who are you playing for? Who are you giving? How are you giving? How are you praying? How are you fasting? Let's go to prayer right now together. Before the Lord. Father I thank you again for your word. I've been encouraged. Just reading it. Studying it. Preparing this message. But Lord it's one thing to prepare it. Know it. Hear it. But it's another thing. To begin to experience you actually doing this in our lives. And so Lord I pray that you'd help us. You're the only one that matters. The only one. So Lord we want to give for you. Not for us we want to spend time with you at, when with nobody else that's what we want to do Lord we want to seek after you above everything and anyone else that's our prayer in closing this message as your heads are bowed and praying would you continue just praying for anyone who might be here and if that's you just want to give you an opportunity this morning to come to Christ to know the Lord and Savior that we so love and cherish that you've heard a little bit about today so if that's you you just have a you, you know in your heart that you're not right with God and there's and I, I'm confident the Holy Spirit has been tugging at you if you're not saved at this point. Meaning you haven't been forgiven for your sin and received the Holy Spirit and been born again. That's what that means, salvation. So if you're here and, and you wanna get right with God, you wanna say yes to Jesus because he's the only one, the only way, the only truth by which you can be saved is the name of Jesus. And he came on a, to die on a cross God put all your sin on him. He paid that penalty. And he rose again from the dead. He's sitting in the heavens right now. Justified. He will justify you by faith. Putting your faith in what he accomplished for you and your forgiveness and offering you eternal life. You must make a decision. So the way we do that on our services is going to ask you to raise up your hand and say, yes, I want to get right with God today. I want to say yes to Jesus. Second, I'm going to ask you to stand up. And standing up, you're just saying, yes, I, I'm making this decision. Jesus said, if you confess me before men, I will confess before my Father in heaven. Third, just to walk up to the tables where there someone will pray for you. So if that's you, as we're praying, just another minute. If that's you, would you just put up your hand? Keep that up. I don't want to miss you. Say, yeah, I want to say yes to Jesus today. Get my life squared away with him today. Know eternal life today. continue in worship and then i'll come and close us afterward hi i'm kevin day senior pastor of calvary chapel south i really hope you enjoy the message and that god spoke to your heart through it if you'd like to know more about our church and find other messages to watch head over to ccskent.org and i would love to meet you at one of our sunday services god bless you